Welcome to today's BCOG online podcast episode. These weekly sermons are a part of the growing online ministry of God. Buford Church of God is a growing multi-campus and multicultural Pentecostal church north of Atlanta. We are reaching people around the world to see lives transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in with us and enjoy today's episode with Senior Pastor Joey Grizzle. Please remain standing, 1 Kings chapter 18, starting with verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground, put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud the size of a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up and say to Ahab, Prepare your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. Say amen at the reading of God's word. You may be seated. There is a lot in this passage of Scripture that I want us to focus on. The greatest passage that I would, or the greatest focus that I would bring to light today is the difference between his prayer in this story and the prayer for fire to consume the sacrifice. Elijah prayed one simple prayer and God sent the fire, but he prayed seven times before the rain fell. Why? Why is rain harder than fire? Why is it more difficult to achieve this end of the drought than it is to allow God to cause fire to fall from heaven? Herein is a dilemma. And I want you to hear this because there's a lot of preachers who try and sell you on something that's other than the truth of what I'm about to tell you. There are a lot of mysteries in the Bible that we don't have answers for. There are things that we can spend our entire life studying and never arrive at a conclusion. I personally enjoy mystery more than I do answers. I don't like it when someone sits me down and says, this is the way it is and that's the way it is, and they're talking about grand poetic themes of the Bible, and they talk as if they've had personal revelation over theological disputes that's been going on for thousands of years. And I believe there are some questions that are meant to produce behavior changes in your life. For example, in this particular passage, I think this is a good vantage point, even if we don't know why it cost more prayer time to get rain than it did fire. This I can tell you. I have learned that there are some things I have to pray for differently. God does not always move in my life the same way. And here's my... Observation as it relates to Elijah. If Elijah had to alter his approach 
to have his prayers answered, how much more so do you and I who are not on that level? First and foremost, we're not in the Bible. I don't even have a chapter. There's no prophecy, sweetie, about you sitting where you're sitting right now. Your name is written down in glory, but it's not written down in authority. If scripture, somebody talk to me. I think sometimes we covet positions that only belong to those who are in the word because we want to be self-promoted. And so when I read about Elijah, I like to do these top 10 lists. I don't know if you guys do that. The top 10 greatest movies ever made. The top 10 greatest songs ever written. The top 10 moneymakers in music. The top 10 mountains in the world. The top 10 places to see. I don't know if you do this, but I do it with the Bible. The top 10 most wicked women in the Bible. I have that little list. The top 10 most wicked men in the Bible. The top 10 strongest warriors in the Bible. I have a list that I made in my mind of the top 10 greatest influencers in the Bible. And regardless of how you try and draw up your conclusion, there is absolutely no way that you can ignore Elijah. I use several standards by which I put together my scientific top 10 list. The first standard that I use is the volume of Scripture dedicated to that individual. How many pages did they get? How much of the Word centers on their life? When you use that standard, you cannot ignore Moses. You cannot ignore Joseph. You cannot ignore Elijah. For great volumes of Scripture and theology have been written about this individual. I also add to it, what did God say about them? Did God say, they're a man after my own heart? Or as he said for Moses, a friend of God. Or perhaps what he said about Mary with the alabaster box. Wherever you preach this gospel, you tell them about this woman. As it relates to Elijah, he had a conversation with God in a cave face to face in the wilderness. As a matter of fact, one of the spirit of Elijah came and was the forerunner of Christ called John the Baptist. It even goes further than that. When Jesus was here on earth, he talked about Elijah. And when he was here on earth, he actually conversed with Elijah. On the Mount of Transfiguration, there were two men that were there conversing with Jesus. Moses and Elijah, signifying the law and the prophets. Elijah was very important to God. As a matter of fact, Elijah never died. Elijah was raptured. Let me talk to all of those who disagree with the rapture and you believe that you have a theological perspective that says, you know what, the rapture is just a pipe dream for all of the New Testament believers. An escapism, if you will, a psychological crutch so that they can never really connect with this world and act as if they can have a Holy Spirit narcotic that convinces them not to be effective in this world. I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus because I ask you a question. If the rapture isn't true, then why is it true for Elijah? What do you do with Enoch who was not for the Lord took him? 
How can you contend that the rapture is not true and yet you believe it's true for Elijah, just not for me? The same God who raptured out those in the Old Testament is the same God that said in the New Testament in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ will rise and those that are alive and remain shall be called up to meet him in the air. Elijah never died. As a matter of fact, there are many theologians that contend that the prophet in the New Testament who will preach during the tribulation is none other than John, not John the Baptist, but Elijah. John the Baptist was in the spirit of Elijah. And so Elijah is a very important person. And he had to pray seven times. Seven, seven I can't even, look, some of you zone out on me right now. I've already given you too much information. You're done. <laughs> That's it. Your attention span is completo finito. You know, there is a moment in life when if you put one more piece of information in, something has got to go out. You don't know what's going to go out either. You can't pick it. If I remember one more phone number, I may go home, look at my family and go, who are you people? You don't know what's going to leave your head. And so some of you may have reached your quota for the day. And my apologies if we've already breached our contract with your attention deficit. But if Elijah had to pray seven times, I'm convinced that there are some things harder to get than others. Let me give you an example. Jesus, when he came down off the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples were in an argument with all of these people around them because they had attempted to cast out a devil and they could not. And Jesus said to them when they asked, why couldn't we cast out this devil? Jesus responded and said, this kind only goes out by what? Prayer and fasting. I call that Jedi-level praying. You know, one of the biggest... Okay, this is a pet peeve. My apologies. We'll edit this out. I haven't tried this on any other audience, and I'm sure you're not going to like it. But one of my frustrations with the new Star Wars (laughs) is that that girl, I don't remember her name, Ray had all of these superpowers, and so she took on the Darth Vader 2.0, and all of a sudden she magically knew how to use the lightsaber and was able to stop him. And I'm like, you know, have you not watched any of the movies? It takes a lot of training. You have to be trained by Yoda to be able to do all of that. And here you are trying to wave your, you can't just break all the protocols, proper training. Okay, I knew you wouldn't like it. I'm sorry. And I am convinced that there are a lot of you trying to pretend as if you're a prophet when you're barely saved. You're trying to act like you have some superpower with God and you can't even hold down a job. I'm not trying to throw every person under the bus who listen please send the emails to Jerry Brackett he's the one who takes all this stuff I shouldn't have been so specific but, but listen to me hear me start small it's like giving a baby a chainsaw 
That's what Pentecostal churches do sometimes. We get all these superpowers, all these abilities, and you come down here and you're like, hey, I'm going to skip salvation. I'm going to go straight to speaking in tongues. Well, that's demonic. You can't be filled with the Spirit till you're saved and sanctified. You can't mix the Holy Ghost and foul language. Somebody talk to me. You can't mix the Holy Ghost with filth and, and, and the cares of this world. You've got to be sanctified. You start trying to toy around with the deep things of God before you've been properly trained to carry that cross. I promise you, you're going to pay a price you wish to God you never had to pay, Skeva. Three people have read their Bibles. You'll stir up more devil than you can cast out. Well, pastor, I have a sense of urgency. I've got to bind principalities and powers. The Bible says that even the archangel Michael, when in contest with the devil, did not bring a personal accusation against the enemy, but rather said, the Lord rebukes thee. And if the archangel Michael exercised caution, why do you not fear to tread where angels fear to trod? Somebody talk to me. I hope the grammar's correct on that tread and trod business. Great quote. How do we do, Pastor Todd? Was it A plus? Thank you. You need to you need to relax, Pastor. God's not answering any of my prayers. You're praying the wrong prayers. I'm going to teach you a couple of simple prayers that God always answers. Anybody want a yes? If you're ever in sales, one of the things they tell you to do when you're trying to close the deal is you get them saying yes to small things. And you build up the yeses until you ask for the big thing. Truthfully, this, this, this may work in your prayer life. Start building on small things. The yes, the yes, the yes. One of the things I pride myself about, and don't bust my bubble if it's not true, I've lied to myself all these years and I hope to continue. But I consider myself a good coach. You can give me a team of, of people and, and I feel like I can help them get toward a goal. No matter what it is. I've coached several little sports things and, and taught some karate and, and that kind of deal. And, and I like to teach people things. To show them how to start and slowly build to becoming better. I'll give you an example. Jeremy Singletary, pastors Gateway Fellowship in Macon, Georgia. My wife and I took Jeremy and his wife, Athena, to a beautiful overlook in North Carolina called Max Patch. If you haven't been there, it's the center of the universe. It is a 200-acre bald on top of a 5,000-foot mountain, and it is surrounded by the highest mountain peaks in the east. 360 degrees. Matter of fact, I took our college students there. We had a rainbow on one side, and we had the sunset on the other. Other Cody was jumping around going, the rainbow, the rainbow, skipping across like he was in the sound of music. <laughs> there was quite a crowd up there watching Cody just be himself. <laughs> Cody got finished. He ran off <laughs> into the distance. We don't know where he went. And all of this crowd that was on top of the mountain turned and looked at me. I mean, I didn't know any of them. There was a lot of people up there. They all looked at me. I said, 
He just got out of prison. We're celebrating. He's uh, <laughs> We took Jeremy and Athena up there. We were enjoying the overlook. And on our way back, we noticed a little pool of water, had a little waterfall. And, and we stopped, and we were enjoying this beautiful oasis, this gorgeous area in the mountains. And while we were there... Athena said, I've always wanted to learn how to skip a rock. And so she picked up a rock and threw it into the mud. It was one of the worst tosses we've ever witnessed since the Atlanta Braves. (laughs) No offense to any Braves who happen to watch us on the television. Matter of fact, take that Braves part out of there. And so when she threw that in there, Jeremy Singletary does not have this gift of coaching. He has the gift of sarcasm. It's a wonderful gift. He looks at her and said, that's the worst throw I've ever seen in my life. You probably should just give it up. (laughs) So I said, hold on, let me me help. I said, let me see throw a rock. It hit the water. I said, throw it a little deeper. Put one another out out there in the middle. That's good. Throw it harder. That's great. Let me see how hard you can throw it. I mean, try hard. Now aim it up a little bit better. Throw it a little bit deeper. Good. Harder. Harder. That's great. You're doing great. Now, I want you to try and throw it from the side. Let's try that a couple of times. Good. Throw it again. Harder. Good. In the middle. Good. Just hit the water. Don't worry about anything else. Just hit the water. So she kept throwing, hitting the water. I said, now lean down. And she leaned down. She skipped the rock. And I think a lot of you have allowed the devil to tell you to give up on your prayer life. Because you keep asking for Jedi level prayers and heaven is silent or telling you no. I want to show you the fundamentals of prayer. I'm going to teach you how to get some prayers working in your life to get heaven saying yes to you. So that you can build up to the prayer life that moves mountains. For example, I'll give you an easy one. Here's an easy one. If any person lacks wisdom, let them ask. Your father will hear that prayer and give liberally to everyone who asks for wisdom. If you're already smart, then stay stupid. This is not going to go over well online. I can feel it. (laughs) But if you need wisdom, you want answers, just ask. This prayer even works for sinners. Maybe you're here today. You snuck in here. Maybe your mom made you show up. (laughs) Am I being too specific today? But you're here today and you say, well, Pastor, I I, I don't want that. Ask God. Say, Lord... Just reveal yourself to me. I need wisdom. God will open up the windows of heaven and will supply that prayer every time you ask for wisdom. He'll show you the answer. Now, you may not like how it shows up because you know the way answers show up when God sends you wisdom? He sends you a person who disagrees with you. There will be a person placed in your life that will look at you and say, stop doing that. Go that way. Don't do it that way. 
And you will decide whether or not you want wisdom or you want your own freedom. Because wisdom will make a slave to the cross out of you. And sometimes it's easier to be foolish and ignorant and free with all of your choices than it is to bow your knee at wisdom and say, God, teach me and guide me and direct me. Now, I challenge those of you who've grown up in a Pentecostal church, please start asking for wisdom because I am afraid that far too often we as Pentecostals are so busy wrestling principalities and powers that we don't have enough wisdom to pay off a credit card. We're asking God for so many grand things we don't know how to keep our families stable by spending time with them rather than becoming so spread out with all of the stuff that we allow ourselves to get into. Wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Solomon said if you have to sell it all to get anything, get wisdom. Ask God to teach you how to think, not just what to think. How should my mind work? God will give you a new mind. I'll give you another one. This is another easy one. My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory. This is a prayer. Now understand that is a specific prayer to a tithe-paying Christian. Now I'm going to automatically assume that if you're praying, you're obedient. Now if you're disobedient, you wreck everything. Nothing works right when you're in sin. Because sin is your God and your prayers become hypocrisy until they multiply themselves and turn into Pentecostal witchcraft. You cannot mix unrighteousness with righteousness. But if you're right with God within a certain measure, I'm not asking for perfection. I'm asking for aimed toward perfection. But if you say in your heart, Heavenly Father, I have a need, consider the lilies of the field. Solomon dressed in all his royal robes, was not arrayed as one of them. And your father in heaven knows that you need raiment and he knows that you need food. In the words of David, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. That's why when Jesus told us to pray, he said one of the first things out of your mouth should be not give me a new house, not give me a new car, not bless me with a great business, don't give me some extraordinary, no, give me this day my daily bread. God will hear you every time you pray. Is there a Christian here? You've served God long enough that you can give me a witness that God has supplied your needs at the right time. You didn't know how the check was coming. You didn't know how the provision was going to show up. But thanks be unto God. He heard your prayer. He thanked you with the expression of his own love for that testimony of your faith. You need an answered prayer. Pastor, why do I have to get answered prayers? Because answered prayers are faith that turns into testimony. If you want to fight the devil, you need a testimony. You need to have an answered prayer because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. You're trying to fight the devil before you get a yes on the easy stuff. Now, I want to rebuke the modern church for just a moment. Our family is so struggling right now financially, which means we don't know how our children are all going to have iPhones. We had to buy a car and we didn't even get the leather interior. Talk to me, church. 
How many of you folks over 75 years of age can teach some of these young people what it means to have to ask God for food at night? You see, your problem is you want God to give you great things, but you're not thankful for the lunch that you're about to eat. You didn't say thank you for the breakfast that brought you here. You're swimming in an ocean of miracles, but your lack of gratitude has shut the windows of heaven until you realize God's this, the one that supplies seed to the sower. He's the one that gave bread to the kingdom of God, and you better get happy over what God's already provided or lest you will offend God and never have another prayer answer you need to start praying give me this day my daily bread so that you can start being grateful that God provided your daily bread hallelujah thank you Jesus that he took care of me I'll give you a little example Jonathan my son wanted to go to college and we were trying to figure out how he's going to go to school and you parents here you know exactly the stress that I was under these schools, they charge exorbitant amounts of money. You don't know how in the world you're going to survive with this mountain of, of debt and things that go on. And then God gave me wisdom. I made a phone call. I opened up a possibility. We went and talked to a new kind of school with a new kind of program. And he was able to join that program for the two years. And he's going to have an associate's degree. And he got a scholarship that covered all of it. God gave him a job that took care of his needs. They pay my son 12 bucks an hour. Can you imagine making 12 bucks an hour when we were teenagers? They still ask me for money, too. I, I don't know. I thought the older they got, the cheaper they got. Does it slow down when they get married, Horace? To, no, they keep on calling. All right. God supplies. So you know what I say? Thank you, Jesus. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Because it's Philippians 4 for my 19-year-old. I'll give you another Prayer that he always answers. You ready for this one? This is my favorite. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will hear you every time you say, I'm sorry. God will answer the prayer every time you confess your sins. The greatest test of faith in my life is not trying to get God to move mountains. The greatest test of faith is not believing that he is great and that he's done great things. The greatest test of faith is believing that he made me great. That one's hard to believe. I look in the mirror, I look at my life and I think how could God be proud of me? I remember one time reconfessing sins from my teenage years. I don't know if you still do this. There's something wrong with me. But I was complaining. I was like, God, if I'd have just been more committed, if I hadn't done this, I'm so embarrassed. And you know, I, I, I wish that I had lived for you and read the Bible through earlier and done all these things and preached better and studied more and avoided all of these sins. And God, I could have. And God said, Why don't you leave that little guy alone? He's dead. Stop cursing the dead. What do you mean? 
No, no, no. He's crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live. Not you, but Christ lives in you. Somebody talk to me. That's yesterday. There's a gravestone over that, and there's no writing on it that, don't, that doesn't testify to the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. I've been washed in his blood. I've been purified by his power. Pastor, I need to cast the devil out. I need to bind principalities. I need to do spiritual warfare. No, sir. Rejoice not that demons are subject to you in the name of Jesus, but rather that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. I came down to an old-fashioned altar. I knelt down and I called on his name, and the blood of Calvary washed me and made me clean. And as far as the east is from the west, my sins have been removed from me. God called me by a new name and glory, and he wrote that thing down in the promise of heaven. I've been saved. Well, Pastor, that's great, but I still mess up. I'm still a sinner. It's like I don't do what I want to do, and then the things I shouldn't do, I find myself tempted by. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul said. But, oh, I love the way it's written in the New Testament. If we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father who forever makes intercession for you and I. He's at the Father's right hand. God's not going to give up on you. You don't need to give up on yourself. Stop letting the devil judge you by where you came from and let him be reminded of where you're going and where he's going. You need to let God know that you're not going to quit and you need to serve hell. Notice that you'll never bow your knee and call him Lord. Every day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to repent in the morning. I'm going to repent all day and at night and I know my God will hear me every time I pray God wash us God purify us God make us clean pastor I don't feel forgiven that's when faith has to replace feeling that's what faith is faith is not God you're great faith is God you're making me great and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's when faith becomes the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. When I trust that God has forgiven me, I'm saved. I just feel so much better. I am washed. Because if, if, if you're going to hell for what you did... And that means I'm going to hell for what I did. I've, I've been to many funerals where I look at the person being overcome with grief and their mama or their granddaddy, and I say, you know, if they didn't make it, there's no chance for the rest of us. But I need to apply that to everybody. If you've called on God's name and you don't make it, there's no chance for the rest of us. Well, Pastor, what a, don't I have to be like just, I know I can't be perfect. Don't I have to be a whole lot closer to perfect than I am now? I don't know if there's a line like that. All I know is every day, pray. Everything's going to be all right. Because if you'll have a little talk with Jesus and tell him all about your troubles, he'll hear your faintest cry. Last but not least is why I think it's easier to get fire than it is water. The Bible says that if... Your son asks you for bread, will you give them a stone? If your babies ask you for good things, will you give them a serpent? 
And if those of you being of evil nature know how to give good things to your children, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Ask, shall receive. Seek, you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. Church, hear me. You have not because you ask not. And even when you do ask, you're asking outside your realm of authority. Start asking God for the things that are easily supplied. And live your days in that glorious manifestation of, yes! The Bible says that God is searching for somebody. He is looking for somebody. So that he can show himself mighty through them. I'll take that. Take a little wisdom. Not a whole lot. Not ready for a lot yet. I'm trying to get ready for a lot. Just a little dabble do me today, God. (laughs) He can't say that. He'll unload on you. God, give me wisdom. God, supply my daily bread. and, And I tell you what, forgive me of my sins. As I forgive those who've, you know what? Oh, sweet Jesus. The same God. I've always read that verse wrong. Totally different sermon. Forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who've sinned against me. I've always assumed that my forgiveness was predicated upon the assumption that I was forgiving others. That it was an It was as if it was understood that I was forgiving someone else. So that meant I was a candidate to be forgiven. But what God just said to me is, no, 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 no. It's easy to accept forgiveness for yourself. The miracle you need is the ability to forgive them. And the same prayer that forgives you is the same prayer that will give you power to let them go. Give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me of my sins and give me authority and power to forgive those who've sinned against me. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Can I teach you one Jedi level move? All right. Don't go trying this till you try the other stuff. You need help with this side of it. Let your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. Quick question. Is there cancer in heaven? Is there poverty in heaven? War? When I talk to God, it's not wrong for me to ask him to make earth look like heaven. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to happen till Jesus returns, but my job is to allow his kingdom to come in me. Heavenly Father, I'm coming to you today. There's no cancer up there, so I'm not going to try and figure out what you're going to do with them. I'm just going to ask you, God, take the cancer out of their body. I pray, God, you would heal everybody in this house right now in the name of Jesus. There's no heart disease in heaven. There's no kidney disease in heaven. There's no bad knees in heaven. So, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I call on you to hear me. 
Let your kingdom come right here in the Beaufort Church of God. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heal their bodies. Touch their minds. There's no lost people in heaven. Save everybody in their house. Save their grandchildren. Save their children. Save their neighbors. I pray everywhere their foot walked. I pray you'd give it to them as an inheritance. I pray God that daughter would come back home. I pray that son would call on your name. I ask you God to hear my cry today. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. I bless you. I bless your business. I bless your babies. I bless your bodies. I ask God to hear me in the name of Jesus. Oh, come on, stand up. I want everybody to get some of this. I'm feeling faith rising. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Heavenly Father, my faith is high right now. And I ask you, God, in the name of Jesus, as I show them how to use high-level prayer, may they build it, Heavenly Father, on the strong foundation of wisdom, daily bread, grace, and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in their life. May they seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these other things shall, not maybe, not might, shall be added unto them. Let me show them, Heavenly Father, how to do the small things of faith so that mountains cannot stand in their way. In Jesus' name. I ask God to overshadow you. I want him to bless your business, your babies, your bodies. Give you peace. Give you good things. To step out on the bow of the ship of your life and speak to the storm. Peace. Be still. I ask you, God, to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on them that will embarrass them. I pray, God, they'll come to church with tears in their eyes going, I don't deserve this. I don't know what God's doing in my life. I, I don't deserve all my children acting this way. I don't deserve this blessing, this favor, this family, this nothing. Everything's going, Lord, I, I'm overwhelmed. I ask you, God, in the name of Jesus, let them get grateful for the small things. Let them start focusing on the easy answers, those things that were commanded to pray. And then when they start launching into those high-level prayers, I pray it would be with humility. Biblical foundation. Bless them. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoy Pastor Joey's word today. To find out more about our ministry, visit bcog.me. Our services are live streamed weekly on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, you can talk to one of our pastors anytime via bcog.me messenger. See you again in the next podcast episode.